0: we had so many te- technical difficulties instead of uh, an actual BS excuse that when we're trying to cover up. So someone being late this is the first time where it actually we just couldn't hear or see each other in the chat. And then after I clicked start, it was the first time it ever said, failed to, to go live. So thankfully, hopefully you can hear us. Um help, Hopefully you can see us because we had lots of difficulties. Uh, it was kind of funny. Derek was like, Derek could hear us and like I could see him, but I couldn't hear him. It was like a different, it was a really weird combo. And he kept saying hello, hello. And I'm like, I can hear you. I can hear you. Just felt like he was trolling me the whole time, but he wasn't. Um, welcome to the show. But before we start, let's gotta make sure I plug our official sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one source for Magic of the Gathering singles. I go to facefacegames.com for all your Magic of the Gathering needs. I think. Jace's and bread braids elves have probably gone up in price on the site. Um, also, gotta give a shout-out to anyone who is a First Strike patron. If you want to support the show, if you want to just pledge a dollar uh, to support everything that we've done over the last year, if you've enjoyed any of our episodes, go to patreon.com slash firststrike. And today we had a very special guest, a very frequent guest who's constantly... Uh, Going up there in terms of frequency. (laughs) Our most popular guest, I guess, Shaheen Sarani is in the house.
1: (laughs) Thanks for uh, keeping the seat warm for me, bud. Appreciate
0: it. (laughs) Mr. Expensive Source Master. Of course, we've got Rob and Derek Fresh from GP Toronto. Didn't go too well for either Rob, 2016 (laughs) GP Toronto champion, and Trophy Hunting, misplaced ginger. Uh, How's it feeling, guys, Rob? Define too well, Carr.
2: (laughs) (laughs) DP Toronto 2018 was the worst competitive tournament I've ever played
0: in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, Derek, how did it go for you? I don't think it went anywhere. I think it went just as bad, probably.
3: Uh, Yeah, I went went 1-3. I had two buys and finished 3-3. And it was great. I hate this format, and I still hate this format.
0: Wow. Okay. You better watch, watch your mouth. Uh, let's start with some positive stuff. Uh, Shaheen, we, we had brought you on the show where you had said that KCI might be broken and they might ban something from KCI, but they didn't, but you put your money where your mouth is. You actually brought it to the PT to a 7-3 record. Just quickly go let us in on the thought process why you picked that deck. And uh, yeah, I, I was actually surprised that you picked it like I. was kind of joking with you when I message you, are you actually going to play tca Yeah, yeah you damn right I am.
1: <laughs> I mean, everyone thought I was joking, so it's not just you, man. So, I, I mean, <clears throat> I played, like, Blue-White Control for two months, and Blue-White Control, Jeskai, um, Esper, tried all three, and I was, like, three two three two four one four one three two on leagues, and play testing against the top decks, and I would lose to 50% of the field, or, like, like, horribly. I was, like, 40% tops. Um, and I really wanted to do well at the Pro Tour, so I just knew that that w- deck would not do it for me. Uh, I think um, my buddy Alex Magelton, he went 9-1 with it, but outside of him, he... Um, control got crushed to the Pro Tour, like I suspected, and you know, I'm really glad I didn't play it. Uh, so I was like, you know, I have to play a Hail Mary, right? <laughs> I have to play something that has the power level to compete in Modern, like a turn 3, turn 4 combo deck, and I have a lot of experience with KCI, and I... Was playing a few matches with it before the Pro Tour, and I'm like, man, this deck is still as good as I thought, as long as I can avoid Sony Silence. And I have three losses. Two were to Sony Silence decks. Um, One was a horrific misplay on camera, but the camera didn't go to my misplay until after. It was right after the misplay when the camera came in. Um, I, I was up a game against Mono Red, and I was just, he was discarding to hand size, or not discard, but, like, he was on one land, so he was, like, bolt me with one mountain, suspend Rift Bolt with one mountain, so I was basically, like, you know, like, high-stepping into the end zone, like, easy game, and I went, turn two on the draw, I'm like, Icker Wellspring, go. I drew a Mox Opal. I said, go already. I'm like, you know, about to, like, strangle myself here, and I'm just like, oh, you know, I want to take it back, by don't, obviously. I don't even say anything. I, I mentioned, like, oh, that made a mistake. So I could have played Mox Opal, could have played Ancient Stirrings. I had Nature's Claim in my hand. That was my only green source. So I passed the turn. He untaps Draws Mountain, plays Eidolon. I'm like, like about to just like, you know, start weeping. I untap, play Chrome Mox, shock myself, only green source, have to Nature's Claim it. He untaps, he plays another on. If I would have just like Ancient Stirrings on my turn, I would have killed him the next turn. I would have hit case dying and gone off. So then I lose game three on camera. It look like a joke. but. Um, outside of that mistake in the two stony silence decks I really just wrecked everyone I played, it was a lot of 2-0 wins it was a lot of, uh, almost every game won was an easy win the deck is, was just an absurdly good choice, it's why, it's why Lantern won the Pro Tour because of the lack of um, universal artifact hate uh, like, I, you know getting color Command, getting Grudge doesn't do anything to the combo now, uh, Mirror Retriever makes it super resilient to any kind of ha- uh, artifact disruption and after the pro tour, the last thing I want to mention about it, someone on Twitter's like, I don't want to insult your intelligence, Shaheen, but do you know that it's infinite with one mirror retriever, one scrap trawler? I'm like, What? <laughs> it is? And he explained it to me, and it is. Like, so apparently you can play you can play a one drop, like a chromatic star, and now say you're casting it, sack scrap trawler, mirror retriever, to case you ought to pay the cost. Which triggers the two triggers from Scrap Trawler, and then the Mirror Trigger brings back the Scrap Trawler because it's in the graveyard. I had no idea; it's infinite. If you have one more one drop in the yard, that would have won me another match. That's embarrassing. The deck's great, though. Not anymore. Now we've moved past it. KCI for sale, by the way. If anyone anyway, can we sell things on the show? Is that okay? Or no, go if, ahead. Your sponsor is going to be okay with that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <I'm> oh. <scared. laughs> Add it up. I had, I had a few questions uh, about that, though. So, you've mentioned Lantern, and I guess some view it as a control deck. So, why didn't you play it? It's not a control deck. You
1: can call Burn burn Control. It's not a control deck. Lantern is not a control deck. Lantern is a hellbent deck on Incendiary Bridge, it's a prison deck. It's library manipulation. Not There's your style? Advantage. There's no board sweepers. There's no haymaker hay win conditions. There's no controlling the board. It is is bullshit. It's not a control deck. I mean you can call it control all you want, just like people can call stasis control back in the day. It wasn't control. And this is I think honestly, burn is more of a control deck than lantern is. Well, so why did you play besides it not being controlled? Just not oh, sorry, okay. that doesn't do with your question then. My my bad. Um <laughs> I, I really don't like decks like that, honestly. Um, I think I love decks that, if you look at any deck I've ever played or decks that I kind of like uh, co sign, they have very powerful cards in them. They, they're cards that, if you look at my standard deck with like Scarab God, Gear Hulk, and all these limited bombs, right? All these mythic rares. I like playing powerful cards. I can't sleeve up those cards. <laughs> these draft 15 man. I can't do it. It's just. They're just so weak and underpowered on their own. The deck, obviously, is super synergistic and comes together and is super, super powerful. But it's just like the cards themselves. And I just don't have fun playing cards like that. I don't have fun playing games like that. I don't have fun purring my opponents to concede. Like, with control, I can like finish the game relatively quickly. I'm not a big fan of just the, the play style of the deck, uh, the, like how susceptible it is to hate from a control side. Um, I really just prefer good old-fashioned... Draw a bunch of cards, kill all your creatures, play a big creature, and move on. Okay.
0: And last question. You, you had mentioned Alex Magilton, who, who did X1 with blue white control, uh, was, was one of the top uh, deck lists, but unfortunately did really poorly in draft. I think he went 06. He went 06. Uh, are you suggesting like, he, that he got lucky in his uh, modern matchups? No. I mean, I don't want to take anything from him because
1: Alex is awesome and he's a great player. He's one of, my, one of my good friends, one of my best friends in Magic. He. But when you're 0-3 and you're playing in the 0-3 bracket, you're going to have an easier time. I, I would have, if he went three O in draft and then just crushed five O constructed. That's constructed, it's so much harder than going 0-3 than five O. I mean, take it from a guy who starts every tournament 1-2 and then wins out like that. In 0-3, I do it I, religiously, and it's because <laughs> the quality of deck and opponent of that bracket is going to be lower. And I, I don't think, I'm not, it's still a pro tour. These are still professional-level players. Um, but he wasn't playing, you know, the All Star squad when he was when he o three the first pod, and then he started day two at X six before playing in modern. So
0: <laughs> that's true. Uh, let's just get to the biggest news of the day. Where we'll start with you, Rob. Your reaction because nothing to really talk about in terms of your GP. <laughs> so let's go straight <laughs> to the big news of the day: Bloodbraid Elf, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Unbanned. Were you surprised? A- absolutely
2: not. I- I've been preaching that both of these cards are okay to come off the ban list for like, I don't know, oh, it feels like a year or something. I have to go back and check the tapes, but I, I was in an argument with like Eduardo Sajgalik and-, and Morgan and Fournier, like just outside the feature match area in like round two or something, were arguing the merits of of like could jace come off and everyone's screaming at me that I'm insane and that Wasi would never do this and I'm like yeah, I'm pretty sure it's there's some clear indicators that they're going to do it so they they put it they put jace on the box for for M25 they explicitly said that they're not banning they're not touching the ban list before the PT the PT was very diverse and all the decks are hyper linear and hyper aggressive <laughs> controls dead uh even jund is dead <laughs> so it's like this is the time. This is the perfect time to unban Jason Bloodbraid off. I, I don't know. It, it just makes it I, To be fair, I don't even think that these two cards are going to be immediately uh, warping the format in any way. There's like a lot of decks that really don't care if your opponent's playing Jace. They actually probably prefer that Jace is in your opponent's deck really like a deck like affinity or burn is like, "Cool. Tap out on turn 4. <laughs> that sounds great." <laughs> I don't know. I I think uh I think modern is a safe place for these cards. I don't expect any uh any bad things to happen because of them. I I'm, I'm pretty happy about it though. I hope there is a control deck that's viable. I'm sure Shaheen will share his thoughts on where <laughs> where it might be. <laughs> I mean, I spent.
1: I think the last episode I was on, I think I went off for about forty-five minutes or an hour. On maybe not that long. It felt like that long. Usually, it's probably thirty to forty-five minutes on the merits of Jason. I, I guess, Rob. I apologize. I thought we were debating it, but apparently, we were just like soundboarding off each other, like agreeing, which is fine.
2: We um, were. We were. Um, you were of the opinion that you didn't like modern as a PT format, and I disagreed with you there. I thought it was fine. Okay, so we did. You, you were wrong about something. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, <laughs> That's fine.
1: <laughs> now I think it's I think it's great. And I, I as a PT format, I think that at the time when you even mentioned diversity and super hyper linear aggressive decks, I think like the term diversity there is I use it too. We all use it for modern. I think it's kind of irresponsible to say diversity. Sure, the cards are not the same, <laughs> but like you kind of insinuated, the style of decks. There is no diversity. there was no diversity. It's you have to sock your opponent in the mouth in the first few turns and end the game effectively on three or four, or you're playing a bad deck and you're not playing a deck that has anywhere to be in modern and I think that Jace offers and I've mentioned it you know I've written for I think since 2015 or so and early 2015 I've kind of been on the I first hashtag of free Jace there but Like, at that point, I said that control needs a spot where they can stand their ground for a cheap amount of mana and play defensive cards, either clearing the board against aggressive decks or having dispels or counterspells against combo or mid-range decks or, like, uh, Tron decks, and they need to stand around a card like Jace. Otherwise, you're not going to win the late game. You're not going to win the mid-game. You're not going to be favored against anything. You're just going to be this kind of middling, sure, if you draw your bolts and helixes and paths against zoo decks, you'll be fine. But against the rest of the format, it's embarrassing. So right now, I think that you can't really go wrong. I don't think there's a perfect Jace shell right now. I think that Jace allows every control deck that was a tier 2 deck to tier 2.5 deck to move up at least a half a tier or so to be able to compete against the decks that it was weakest against. I mean, I actually just threw it together with blue-white, and I cut a couple cards here and there. Three Jason the main one on the board. That's probably a mistake. It always start, I always start with three in the main, and then I move to four in the main. But we're gonna start with three in the main. Um, and I it's been it's been great. I, I think it's gonna be. I think we, I don't think it's gonna make an immediate impact. Like we're not gonna see Jace like you know half a top sixteen with J But I do think that you're gonna see at least one top eight now, two three top sixteen. I think you're gonna see these things pop up. Where before, when you see like this blue red deck at the top eight had, or this Jess guy at the top eight of Toronto, that is an aberration. Like when that to- when that happens, everyone's like shocked, like how this control deck luck sack its way to the top eight. I think now it's gonna be completely different. I think it's a deck to the fear these days.
2: I-, I agree with your assessment on the Jessica deck. <laughs> <laughs> I had an right. argument with someone about that today. I was like, uh, Jessica is not very good. They're like, hey, top eight GP Toronto. I was like so that's cool, man. Like problems like, won the
1: tournament. What do you want? I, exactly, and I bring up the Richmond uh, anomaly with me, with Blue White Control years ago, when I went 13-2, which is a top-8 record, right? I had two Jays, on two Bane Slayer Angel decks, and like horrendous Blue White Control deck. I played Affinity seven times. There's a reason why my record was that good. <laughs> <laughs> I was 7-0 against Affinity. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean my deck was good. Quite the opposite. It was, hor- it was horrific. But... I played against this deck seven times, which I had almost a buy matchup against, and that allowed a deck that wasn't typically that good to do that. I, that's not where you want to be with control. We're like, oh, well, in a 15-round tournament, if I play against this one deck eight times, I'll <laughs> make top eight. You just don't want to be in that spot. I think Jace will allow you to beat decks outside of that one or two deck like that you know choice that you want to play against LSU made a great video i watched it earlier about what decks are kind of like the winners and losers and it kind of it, it mirrors exactly how i feel about it um jace's impact so if you haven't seen that you should definitely take a look at it. it's on twitter
0: um there's, there's a lot made on the focus is on jace and, and shaheen you've come on the show many times to talk about how you don't think Bloodbraid Car is a threat to come back into this format? And is there excitement about this card at all coming back? I am so excited about Bloodbraid
1: Elf. This might be the one time where you can put Jason in your deck at the beginning of the format, and if you're confident and you build your deck well enough, where you can crush all these silly Bloodbraid Elf decks because it's not like standard. They're not bloodbraiding into Blightning. They're bloodbraiding into the big... Hoopla right now is color guns command, which is uh, almost dud against control. It's like the best thing they can cascade into, which is still not that great against a control deck. If look at their other targets, Goyth, every creature is easily killable in the Jun colors. Like removal, like you know, walking into Supreme Bird, Wrath of God, Snapcaster Mage with a, a Path to Exile or Condemn or whatever you want to use, Abrupt Decays or Removal. They can flip like Abrupt Decay, Terminate, Bolt. Like these things are not that great against control decks now. So I don't think it's it's not like standard where it was, you know, you're like, all right, my my first play after my uh, spreading seeds, here's a Jace, do something with. It. They're like bloodbraid off blightning, kill your Jace. It just isn't like that anymore. And I don't think you can build a deck that abuses the cascade. That well, you still got to play goys, you still got to play scavenging use, you still got to play removal spells like against creatures. You can't just play four color guns command and a bunch of creatures. You're going to play. Uh, abrupt decays and things that are just going to hard with against control decks. So I think Jun's going to get better. So all those cards are pretty sweet still, but I don't think it's going to be good against Jace decks. Hmm. Rob, what do,
0: what do you make of uh, BBE's comeback?
2: It'll be interesting. <clears throat> I'm not sure that. I mean, like, it, it'll obviously get played in Jun at the beginning. I'm curious to see if it'll be great again. Like, Jun just doesn't have the Accelerant that it had when, when Bloodbraid Elf was, like, really good. Like, Deathrite Shaman is gone, right? And I don't see them going back to playing, like, Noble Hierarch for Acceleration or something stupid like that. So it just makes those four drops all a lot less impactful. But I do remember that when they were hitting uh, Liliana, it was nice. Those were nice times for Jun. But they are also, like, able to cast Bloodbraid Elf on turn three. So I think that's a, a, a big difference that uh, they don't really have uh, this time around. Although, in certain metagames, like, if the metagame floats toward a more Grixis, Jund-esque, um, like, being tier one, kind of controlling what decks are good and what decks aren't, then having Bloodred Elf is great, obviously. Just like the, the card advantage and, and extra aggression is, is good, and being able to pressure opposing Lilianas or whatever is, is also uh, decent, but I don't... Yeah, I mean, I think that card's been on the ban list for way longer than it deserved. <laughs>
1: I, can't, I can't believe it's been on there that long. I I it's don't like think like
2: got banned. <laughs> it's like yeah.
1: okay, like it's it's funny because, like you said, it, it, I think it has the potential to be good in a certain metagame. I think that when you want to grind out decks, Bloodbraid Elf obviously is the one of the best grindiest cards. But again, four mana for control is not the same as four mana for mid-range or aggro, right? So, like, if you're tapping four from a mid-range or ag- aggressive deck, you you really need it to give you a lot of bang for your buck. With Jace, it's not really... A, it's not a turn four play for us. It's turn eight, nine, ten sometimes. And it's just a, a finisher. It's a control card. It's just, it does a lot more than the Cascading Elf does. And I think that they're just... To think that they're even in the same stratosphere is way off. Um, I think that Bloodbraid, and it's... We got to remember, standard brokenness doesn't make it modern broken, and we have to be careful with that. And a lot of people against Jace's unbanning, they were trying to you know, recite standard issues. And I tell them, I'm like, well, let's ban intangible virtue and lingering souls before that gets out of control, because they ban that too and block constructed. It's not the same thing. These are different formats that have different power levels that have a lot fewer cards in them compared to modern. And this format laughs in the face still of a turn four power play when you can still play Karn on three or KCI on three, like I've been doing killing people, (laughs) or (laughs) like storming people out on turn three. It's It's not a format where you should see Jace unban and just, you know, run for the hills It's not going to do anything to you if you still are one of these you know, sock them murdering on turn three or four decks it's not going to affect you too much so, don't complain <laughs> let's,
0: let's, let's get some of your thoughts, Derek. What, what do you think about the, the bannings? Unbannings rather
3: you're, you're all insane about the Jace thing I think this is ridiculous uh, I think it's ridiculous that Wizards is doing this I can't believe that they're banning a tune with Aether and Rogue Refiner and unbanning Jace the Mind Sculptor in Modern. I started playing Magic when Jace was printed in Standard, and that was not fun. And I was playing the aggro deck, and like you just could never win. They just played Jace on 4, they bounce your vampire dude, you lose. You just did and... exactly what
1: I said people were doing. You just uh... <laughs> <This verbatim> did <laughs> I gave the whole setup, and you did it. You Jace was to- also out? banned
2: in a, in a format where... <laughs> You're playing Stoneforge Mystic on turn 2 and then getting it killed and then playing another one on turn 4 with like Mana Leak left up and then just sticking a batter Skull and then a Jace with another counterspell back up. The second best deck form- in that format was
3: Modern Valakut in Standard. That's how powerful Jace was.
2: No, that's how powerful Stoneforge Mystic was. You could unban Stoneforge
3: Mystic and it would be less powerful than Jace right now.
2: I- I'm, not, I'm not convinced that that's that Jace had to go from that Ooh. standard actually. Like I definitely Stoneforge did. I, I do agree it was a problem. And Jace was probably above the power level of what you'd want in standard given the the level of answers they had. But Stoneforge Mystic is the real problem. Let me give you a quiz on <laughs> Stoneforge Squadron Hawk.
1: What decks what decks are Stoneforge Mystic good against in modern? I'm gonna give all, you a clue.
2: All of those all of those aggregates.
1: Of the decks. Sure, all okay. of the decks, like Rob was about to say All of them not, not a 1 you would board out a Stoneforge Mystic Not a 1 you wouldn't want one It's turn 2 win against red decks so They don't kill it This is the best win condition for control Or white decks Or, or any kind of uh, death and taxes now, I'd
2: splash Stoneforge Mystic Stoneforge Mystic in most Archetypes that currently exist I'd play it in Storm
1: You can, you can turn 2 alternate win con. Um but like let me ask you about Jace now. Oh there you would go. You, do you think Jace is good against burn? You think Jace is good against infect? You think Jace is good against nausea? <laughs> you think Jace is I mean, Jace is horrific against half the field. I mean, like in a in a vacuum. Obviously you're gonna control the game and try to resolve it. But it's in the same oppressive way as Stoneforge Mystic. I think if I was a burn player, I would be writing articles on Jace's viability and that Jace is going to dominate the format and everyone should play Jace so Byrne can win the
0: next Pro Tour. That's what I would for. You should write that uh, article. It's more believable. Have, You're like, I've tested it, I've goldfished it, you know.
2: <laughs>
3: I, uh, I had a conversation with somebody about this today and they said, why do you hate when Wizards unbanned good cards and puts them into your hands and allows you to play them when they're difficult to play and they make deck building more difficult, and they make the format more competitive for you. And I said, Jace, in good players' hands, creates poor play circumstances and makes often just bad play. And I have played against Jace and Cube in like, unbanned modern possibilities and in standard. And every time that card resolves, if one person sets it up better, they just win every time. I don't think that the majority of people playing modern really understand how bad this card is going to be because it's just going to push so many people out of the format. Like people are complaining that like the format's too diverse. It's just going to be like J stacks and anti J stacks. And I don't, I don't think that that's good.
1: Derek, you're so wrong. You're such a nice guy. You're so wrong. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Like I'm not a betting fan. I'm I'm just going to go
2: through, I'm going to go through a little exercise here. Okay. So we can explain to Derek why he's insane. Too no, I, just, I don't I, I won't get it. No, I just won't get it. It's, it's just the top eight, eight it's just
3: from GP. Don't waste your breath. There's It's, just it's too late. It's too late.
1: We I, just lost get it. It. I Rob, won't get you it. He lost, lost it in cube. He can't, <laughs> can't
2: you know. stop. Control brand get it. doesn't care about Jace. Actually, they prefer you play it. Burn prefers you play Jace. Jessica Control, I agree that it would be good. It would be good against Jessica Control. <laughs> Elves? They prefer you play Jace. They'd be very happy if you play Jace. Affinity also would love if you have, you know, three to four dead cards in your deck against them in game one. Boggles. Boggles especially cares that you have Jace in your deck because their win percentage went up by, like, another 5 to 10% against these blue-white. <laughs> another burn deck. We kind of already went over that one. Traverse Shadow. This one I'm not 100% sure on, but the fact that they have four Thoughtseize means they probably don't and 3-7 now means they don't really care about Jace too much as well. Although, like, if the control deck is structured in a way where it can kill like the Goyf easily, I think that Jace could be the most effective here. I think bouncing yeah. a Death Shadow is is decent. Although, yeah. I'd probably still, if I had to put money somewhere, I'd probably put
0: it on the Trevor Shadow deck to win the match. <laughs> Ooh. Actually, there's a question in chat, Shaheen. What do you think about the, the Shadow versus Blue-White matchup now? I don't
1: think it's changed much. <clears throat> I think that Jace is uh, good against the deck. But like Rob said, they have so much hand disruption that it's in suburban denials and then negates or some other kind of like... I think they have like one disdainful Stroke after board or something, maybe. Depending. But they have a lot of hand disruption. They have suburb denial They're able to stop it. Um, resolve Jace against them. I mean, it's pretty freaking good. Resolve Gideon Jura against them is pretty good. It really doesn't matter. Their whole point of their deck is to prevent you from resolving these like powerful haymakers. But it got a little better because you have more haymakers and you have more cards that if they stick, they're gonna do work. So I, I think it's either the same or got a little better, but it's not it's not something where people are gonna stop playing their Death Shadow deck because it's four mana card is legal now. It's just not gonna happen.
0: Um we're seeing a lot of predictions already. Obviously a lot of people are talking about it on Twitter. Uh MTG Goldfish uh, Saffron Olive tweeted out that he expects that he predicts that it gets rebatted within the next year. I assume that both of you disagree, Shaheen and Rob. Right, Shaheen? I want in on that. I want in on that. He's always always wrong with his predictions. So that means we are safe with Jace
1: forever. So yeah. Woo! He's never been right.
2: 0% right lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Alright, Derek, tell us why you agree with Saffron Olive, metagame master.
3: Uh, <laughs> it's like, look, look, at, look at how Wizards is taking a stance on magic. Like, They unbanned Grave Troll and re-banned it soon after when they realized that Dredge was too powerful. Dredge came out of the woodworks to be a bannable deck when just one card with an extra Dredge point on it shifted it. So if you take a card like Jace that's been off the ban list, that people are just going to shove it into their deck. It's like, I think that people are just going to shove Jace's into decks. To the point where it'll just show up randomly in events in really bad Jace decks. And then Wizards will be like, oh my gosh, there's three or four Jace's in these decks. It's too powerful. It's controlling the metagame. And then they'll ban it. Or they'll get a lot of people like me complaining about it because it's awful that they unbanned it in the first place. And they're only doing it to drive up the money. But what do I know? Uh, anyways, yeah, that's how I feel about that.
2: I mean, if if that's the case that a bunch of random people are just stuffing Jason to any deck, I feel like I'll put my money on John Stern to, to also <laughs> top eight the to next modern. Uh, that's GP. not
3: the point I was trying to make, but I'm happy you took that away from my conversation.
2: <laughs> I think it's a hard
1: point. I think Cedric mentioned that uh, on a funny inverse boss on Facebook. He said. Do you think people care about... It was, it was related really to pricing, but it was like, do you think people care about pricing? 90% of the people that um, enter Grand Prix, these $100 Grand Prix with these hundreds of dollars, you know, $1,000, $2,000 decks have no chance of winning. I'm in that, by the way. I have, I have no chance of winning a Grand Prix when I enter. So just because we all like playing Jace and a lot of people are going to jam Jace in their deck and a lot more people are going to be interested in playing Control and Modern, those players are not necessarily going to all top eight and ruin the world for the metagame. You're going if to, you, if it's a blue deck, you're going to see Jace. So you're going to see them in top eights. So let's not get it twisted. Jace is going to be in top eights. Um, it's not going to be at the same level of any kind of oppressive, like no oppressive numbers. It's not going to be like, you know, seven out of eight decks with a tune with nature and standard. Modern just isn't like that. People don't have the resources the interest to change decks overnight. I played KCI at the Pro Tour. I'm not going to lie. Owning it made me kind of want to play it. Like, owning these decks, and that's a Pro Tour. Owning these decks, people want to play the decks they own. People play the decks that they own more often. They become comfortable with them. They learn them in and out, and they're not going to want to switch decks um, just because one card's legal, honestly. So I think you're going to see People were still going to play their Affinity decks. People are still going to play their Abzan decks. People were going to now re-sleeve their Jun decks that have been sitting in their binder. More con- a couple more control players are going to come out of the woodworks. I don't think Modern is going to be any less diverse. I just think that Jace is going to uh, implant himself at least in one or two top-eight slots.
3: I just, uh, when I think about the best possible Jace deck, I sort of compare it to other decks that have been Banned Modern. And when I think about the best possible J- Jace deck, it's do I think that's better than Birthing Pot at its peak? Do I think that's better than Splinter Twin at its peak? And I want to believe that yes, I think it might even be better. And so All right. when I'm looking at like how Wizard is banning these cards, and we're talking about how many copies show up or how oppressive a card is in format. Here's
1: why they banned it, it, Derek. Here's card, why they banned it. What, what turn does Dredge kill you? Three or what
3: four.
1: What turn does Splinter Twin kill you?
3: Four plus.
1: What turn does Blazing Shoal Infect kill you? Two. These are the cards they banned. Or rebanned. I, I honestly
3: of... believe Jace kills you on turn four. <laughs> it, it doesn't <laughs> even come close. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's
1: the new poster. <laughs>
2: and it's my turn. Hot <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hot <laughs> that. Hot take. Jace kills on turn four. Jace killed. That That is a hot take. That Jace is the hottest of hot, hot takes. Is it? that up. Derek,
1: how old
3: are
0: you, young man? You said you playing. a you? i hey.
3: I'm 14. Have you seen my parents?
0: <laughs> how do get on the internet? Gotta gotta ask the chat, what's what's a hotter take? Jace kills on turn 4, or lightning strike is basically cryptic command. I think, I think it's close. <laughs> I don't know who said that. I mean, one of those things is true. <laughs> no, I don't
1: know who said that. That's stupid. <laughs> you know what's basically cryptic command? Jace is basically cryptic command. Look how many modes are on that thing. Jace is five cryptic commands. It's all the cryptic commands. Yeah. Best cryptic command ever. It's a sorcery
2: speed though. You gotta remember that magic working speed. (laughs) speed.
1: I, I don't like. I was joking right before the show. Um, I, want to get more. Um, I want to get more like you know, like objective about this unbanning and like start to build more decks. Like I think the celebration period is kind of dying out. The gloating period is dying out. Rob knows because you were arguing at Toronto. And I've been arguing on Twitter forever. I'm sure you've been on Twitter arguing forever about the merits of unbanning banning this. And we all were called dumb and we don't know what we're talking about. And it's a lot of people were like Derek who are saying like it's a turn four win because they remembered standard. And I mean, they, they want to ban like uh, the, what was the What was that Rebel that got banned and blocked? Was it Lynn City? Like you know, one Sivi. Oh, she was great. My time. Was, she was great. That was I turn was five gone, win. Man. That was turn five win. So, I mean, Sorry. when you when you have like these opinions that these cards are too good because they were oppressive in standard or block or in draft, like Tezamox can get banned soon in standard too, right? Because it's just unbeatable limited. You can't. You can't carry a bias from a format that isn't you can't compare apples to oranges here i think you really have to let this play out um i personally have seen people that have been testing Jace decks beforehand like to see how it would act in modern these players said that it wasn't depressive uh people i think they had a few versus videos on it too with jason the modern decks from before um saying that you know it just made the fair decks a little bit better I'm going to take it from the experts here instead of kind of like conjecture of, you know, I remember I had night terrors about it from, you know, six years, seven years ago. Um, and I'm just picking on you, Derek, but you're not the only one. There's a large percentage of people, uh, not the majority, but a good chunk that think what you think, that think that this deck, <laughs> these decks are going to be, you know, oh, you're, you're a burn player and they play it on turn four. You're like, oh, you got me. All right, move
2: on.
1: (laughs) People think that because they remember how oppressive it was um, in standard. But uh, modern, four mana sorceries, tapping out, these decks are just not, there's so many decks that just don't care. And for those who just joined the show just now or missed the Rob rant from the top eight, go back and listen to what he said when he went through each deck. People just do not care about this card. There are so many different archetypes. In styles of decks that are going to obliterate you when you waste three or four slots on Jace, but we take that as a challenge, and we're going to try to adapt. And we need to be able to, be able to build, like, build the best Jace shell around it to kind of, like, you know, utilize it. I,
2: I okay, I, I have two more what? points where Derek just goes off. I, I want to say one build. more thing. Can no, I no, no I'll gonna... let you, you, you'll, have, you'll have the whole stage to well, yourself. Okay, okay. I'll wrap so... up for both of you. First point is that uh, I think that Grixis is probably the best place to start with Jace. I think that, like, Cory Burkhardt's shell is a very good deck to have Jace in it. Second point is, everyone that's whining about Jace in any format, Jace has never been legal in a format that doesn't have Stoneforge Mystic in it, okay? So this is the first time we get to play Jace in Constructed where Stoneforge Mystic is not also legal. And this will prove... That Stoneforge Mystic is the problem, and then everyone that keeps clamoring for Stoneforge Mystic to come off the ban list every time they talk about it can just shut up because that will actually never happen. Anyway, go ahead. I have never asked for that to be
1: unbanned because I know <laughs> if I had a choice, I would leave the legend on the bench and I would have the core Artificer if I wanted control to be at its peak. is now.
0: Not close. Final words, Derek. Uh.
3: So, I just want to say that, like, I want to give room for Jace to be bad. I believe you that Jace can be bad. But I also think that, like, based on what Wizards has been doing with the bannings for the past couple years, that it will actually just get banned again. Because, like, they're banning a tune with Aether and Rogue Refiner and Standard. Like, do we actually believe that Jace won't just get banned. What's he going to do with Modern? Come on. Come on. They're just going to ban it. It's just game over. Come on. Everybody knows it.
2: I enjoy your contrarian viewpoint. I'm okay. glad we added some diversity to this discussion. Yeah. Okay,
0: <laughs> give me uh, give me back smuggler's copter, please.
2: <laughs> R.I.P. Everyone like, oh the
1: Fox god. News panels where you have like the four conservatives, and then they bring like the worst Democrat ever to sit there, so they can just bash them. Up. Oh my god! You know what I'm saying? No offense, Derek. No, no, it's okay. You asked how old I was. Like, it's fine. You won't tell me. I want to say 19 or something. Tell wow.
0: Standard. wow.
2: Can't even drink in the States. <laughs> That's pretty close. I think he's pretty close. I don't, I'm not even sure. I think he's I'm 17.
1: <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. I
2: she, think Derek's like 22 <laughs> or something.
0: <laughs> I've been she, 29. We had talked about uh, modern as a format, but now we're, it's looking healthier. It's looking better with with, with this news. You're more happy about it. And I tweeted out during the weekend, and it's the type of thing we've seen consistently. Uh, I tweeted out uh, in the, on, I think, in the afternoon of Saturday, where I said 11,000 people watching GP Toronto. I think on day two, it got close to 20,000 or even uh, over 20,000. And it just seems like it's the format. And I just wonder if they could just get... I'm hoping this thing gets bigger, and maybe other big companies are willing to sponsor the stream so that the prize pools might get bigger, and the game you know, slowly slowly escalates, because you know, you're not going to get there with Limited. Like Advertisers won't be interested, but maybe, I don't know what the metric they would want. Like, 20,000 plus people? Eh, seems seems significant to me. I don't know. Shaheen?
1: I'm no marketing expert. Um... But I, it's no secret that Modern brings in like you know, viewers by the boatload. Um, I don't know about... I really think it still is going to remain dependent on um, if MTG Arena kicks off and actually like, goes off like expected. You, a game like this still, even though you have 20,000 viewers, there's 20,000 Magic players watching it. The issue is watching physical cards move around from a sky view. Even if it's done in the best possible way with the best commentators, and the commentators I heard were on point, I didn't get to watch uh, Toronto this weekend at all. But um, I, even though it had rave reviews, I think that has—I think there's a ceiling there, and it might—we might not be near the ceiling still. There's still it could double, triple still. But even at that point, where we're still not really hitting, um, you know, a lot of the levels of the esports and other things, and I think that arena, if put on a mobile device. Catches on, people start learning magic, adding like <clears throat> additional cheat like shortcuts to kind of they already have a few in there to like make it more simplistic to learn and teach people. I think that's the key to like get old, like outside uh, sponsors to like chime in. Um, but I think that modern they need to quickly get modern involved on arena too. I, I know it's, I know the logistics are a nightmare. I know the programming for older cards are tough. Um, but you know they promised, you know this the, the new when the new big shot came in town he said that he's gonna make make this happen he's gonna you know like revitalize the MTGO stigmas and like fix them so well, I think that's the gateway to it.
0: Yeah, I'm curious if Arena Standard would get as as many viewers as Modern. Like I was pretty impressed by the numbers seeing like I've seen limited GPS be really low. Um, I guess like none of you got to catch. The coverage both of you were, were playing in Shaheen, you, you didn't catch it. I thought Eduardo, I have to, I tweeted praise for him because, well, he lives in, in Montreal now and, and he repped our country as uh, the captain of the team at the World Magic Cup. I had to praise him. I, I didn't know that he was commentating over playing this one. And uh, last month, he did like 30 decks in 30 days or something, playing a different deck of Modern. And his commentary really showed that he knew. Most of the time, what was going on with many different decks, and he was able to foret- like foresaw different lines of play that, that people were playing. And I was really impressed that I had to tweet out that he made it enjoyable, that I was watching, and to learn to compare what I thought was going to happen to what he was saying was good. Uh I can't, can't say the same. I don't want to throw shade at the others, but it was a significant difference between someone who's been actively playing and the other commentators uh, like sometimes he would throw out a line like oh turn 3 car and that's game boys and then John Stern would just kill, kill the Tron player so um, a lot of times the other commentators were way over hyped uh, a certain line and then Eduardo would just bring them back down to Earth and, and let the viewers know what was really going on so if they find more people like him that are willing to commentate that are actively playing as the analyst uh, to the color I thought it added a lot uh to the coverage. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh good job, Eduardo. I agree. If I want
1: to make one point on that. I, you have to like tote the line between a showman and somebody who is analytically smart and like like in like entwined with the game, like Eduardo. So it's it's tough. Like we love commentators like Eduardo or LSV or read when they get on there because they're just so smart and they they play so much and know everything. But does the average magic player prefer that? Or do they like to watch Patrick Sullivan and Cedric Phillips who are just characters, you know? Is that more enjoyable? Or Marshall Suckleff who's a character also. So these these guys have like showmanship uh maria also these people are enjoyable to watch because they have this showmanship going on you know what i mean so i don't know if it's tough if you want to attract outside of the mainstream pro community or a competitive player community even though their their commentary might be less like you know i don't know what's the word for it it's less sophisticated i hate to say that but you know kind of to an extent it is but it's more it's it's funnier and it's more like flashy that might be more entertaining for some people. Think about other sports too, and like poker, with the commentaries that are the goofiest and silliest. Those are the ones you remember. Those are the ones that kind of like, you know, steal the show. So it's tough, man. It's just like I like Eduardo and I like LSG. I think they're great, but I laugh when Cedric does it. And Cedric's smart too. He knows the game, but he's way more flashy and funny. You know what I
0: mean? It's tough. I don't know. What? <sighs> he's the kind of guy that has both, though, I guess, in your eyes, right? That he has, that he, he knows the game really well, and he, he, still play, he can still play at the highest level, and he, he's got those showman me qualities. He, he's not that good anymore. <laughs> what I got on here?
1: Oh, he's not going to watch this. We're good. So he's not that good anymore. I mean, but he's – I really think if you – let's say you have a scale, like 80% – show me show I'd say a 20% like skill in the game, analytical, that kind of stuff. That's where he would be on it. He's not like a hundred zero, you know? So he's got some, but he. I don't think compared to like a LSV or an, even Eduardo who plays, lives and breathes the game now. I mean, every time I have to talk to him is we can't talk about anything beside breaking down the metagame. Like it's nuts. Like we're, we're saying the line. we're saying in line at the last pro tour. We're waiting to get our bags checked and we just start talking about the, the health of modern and just start going into it. I'm like, why are we talking about this right now, man? I don't want to. <laughs> But he's a super smart guy. So it depends on what really attracts people. Um, and I suspect, based on the SEG feedback, that most casual players in, in that realm, they really like the, the showmanship aspect. Bingo, the bingo thing. Everyone loves that. It's fun. <laughs>
0: I'm for, not for me, but people love it. Um, I think I I want a quick uh, shout out to everyone that's watching right now. I think this is the most viewers we've had uh, in a while or ever even. So shouts to all everyone that's currently watching. If you've got questions for Rob and Derek, please let us know. I asked the uh, blue white Dev shout out question to Shaheen. Shaheen, we're going to let you go. We thank you for your time. We know that you're a busy dad. So, uh, just, just random football. How happy are you about Jimmy G's uh, contract? Jimmy G. Oh,
1: that contract's abysmal. Oh my god, <laughs> he better. I, I saw the the number. I like do a double take. I was seeing if it was like a one year thirteen million instead of one hundred thirty five million. Like it was. Whenever a quarterback gets paid this much money, like it reminds me of like Flacco after the Super Bowl. Just uh uh, you can go through like. Every quarterback, uh, I can't even think right now. the Lions quarterback escaped me right now. And Stafford, Matt Stafford, his huge paycheck. Every single one was like groundbreaking, and they don't deliver on it. And the team as a whole is, is still like around average, so I'm uh, cautiously optimistic. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see him like excel. I think he's better than anything
0: we've had in a while, but: I'm not excited. <laughs> Uh, if anyone else is a 49ers fan, where can they reach you, Shaheen? Say again? If, if anyone else is a 49 er fan in the chat, where can they reach you on Twitter? At Shaheen, S-H-A-H-E-N, M-T-G. Okay, and uh, upcoming saucy article coming up?
1: Yeah, I'm going to release a Cedric Casting to write this week again. I'm going to write um, kind of an emergency article. with a, I have a blue-white list for with Jace... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I, I, I think that the article might be a little bit medium, but the list is going to be good. It's going to be quickly pushed out here. because it's, it's This list I've already been working with for a bit now, and it was just an easy, easy polishing at the end here.
0: All right. All right. Make sure to go check out Shaheen's next article on starrycitygames.com. And now with that, thanks for coming on, buddy. Always good. All righty. That was Shaheen Surahani, Expensive Sorcery Master. And uh, had his thoughts, but uh, very much with Rob Lombardi as to what's going to happen to the format. Uh, coming on to the show, we got Cody Gravel, who finished ninth with Mar- Jerry's Mardu Pyromancer. Uh, welcome to the show, Cody. How's it going? Hey, thanks Ooh. for having me. Great, great that it works. Um, I was excited about you doing well. Brian was doing well as well after day one. He won X one. I couldn't find. Um, I I was sad that I couldn't find Rob or or Derek up up on the ladder. Um, but got to see bloody mess just do well as well as well. And, uh, really surprising when I, when I scanned through your Twitter, uh, Cody, that you were basically the, the week of asking for, for a deck choice.
4: Uh, yeah, actually I kind of bugged Derek on Twitter a little bit before the GP just being like, I need help. Like I, I kind of like just follow his Twitter feed a little bit, because he likes to, uh, I don't know, kind of complain about what's going on, and, and I get to kind of see what's going on from there. But uh, yeah, I, I was looking for a deck, and, and Friday Jerry released an article on Mardu Pyromancer that he wanted to get out for GP Toronto, and I was already kind of interested in the deck, and he was talking about wanting to go up on Manamorphos. I wanted to do the same thing, I wanted to play a young Pyromancer deck, it's what I play in Legacy, and that's kind of how I, how I ended up there. Uh, do you have much experience in Modern in general? Uh, I played a lot of Modern when Twin was legal, and much less now that Twin is not. Okay, so you had, like, basically <laughs> no experience. You took Jerry's latest deck, and you brought
0: it to a virtual top 8. You were, you, know, you were off the top 8 by Breakers, and it was close. Oh, yeah,
4: ninth. Ninth was good. It was really nice. But yeah, no, I, I can't complain. Yeah, I, I picked up my first match with the deck was round 1 of the GP. Yeah, uh, how, how did you do? Like, no buys. No buys, yeah. Yeah, no I was scrub. Bu- I get to play, like, maybe two or three GPs a year these days because I I mostly work it, and uh, I'm back in school, so, yeah. How did the deck run? Like, what made it, what allowed it to go so smoothly for you? Uh, The deck's just a a mid-range deck that can go over the top. Like, Bedlam Reveler is just an absurd card, and you get to just play all the sweet mid-range cards, like Thoughtseize, Inquisition, um, you get to play Young Pyromancer and Lingering Souls, which are great against a lot of the aggro decks that you're playing against. And then Bedlam Revler kind of takes the game home a lot. I will say that I think I got really lucky with matchups, though. I'm not going to deny What were that. you facing? What were you facing? Um, I played a ton of Affinity and Humans. I think I played Affinity three times and Humans twice, which I'll, I say a ton because it's modern, like playing those matchups more than once. Um, and then I played against like random decks that I, I kind of have game against. Cause I have main deck blood moons like amulet Titan and uh blue white red control. So and I never, I never played Tron. I literally never played Tron. It was always right beside me at every table I was playing at, but it was just never there. Is that a good, is that a terrible matchup? I don't think it's terrible, but it was the deck that going into it cold, I was afraid of playing against. I just feel like if I'm playing a young pyromancer on the draw and they're Resolving a Karn, I'm probably never going to win the game, and cards like Lingering Souls don't really get there against them. That I don't think it's a fast enough clock. Yeah. So
3: sometimes you just get trond. Sometimes they just tron you. I watched somebody yeah. play a turn four Ulamog on play against blue white, and they like had a <laughs> counterspell, and they're like, "Oh, I'm dead." Tron.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Cody, what matchups did you end up actually losing to? Uh, I lost to Blue Red Pyromancer really early in the tournament, which is why I finished ninth. Um, I I don't think that matchup's actually that bad, but games two and three he had a turn one and a turn two Ancestral Visions, and the card advantage just kind of buried me. And then I lost to Burn, but I also beat Burn uh, later. So like I don't the matchup just felt really close, but yeah. So, so you ended up fi-
0: finishing with just two losses.
4: Yes. Yeah. Thirteen and two.
0: Is that really? Derek, is that super heartbreaking? There, two only two losses during the whole week, and you don't even top eight. But you get to make it to the first your first Pro Tour. Am I right?
4: Yeah, yeah, very first. How excited are you to make it for the first time? <laughs> um, I, it it was difficult to express in words. It's still kind of sinking in now. You know, um, I feel like if you ever play Magic competitively, like this is where you want to be, and. It just feels surreal to to have gone to gps and prepared really hard before and had like middling results like my best finish before was like 11 and four a couple times um and then to go in cold but off the advice of someone who's basically a magic genius in jerry thompson and uh and getting there is just i don't know it's amazing like i i highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't done it yet did you tweet at jerry yet i did i did uh (laughs) I made, made sure to shout him out because I, I definitely owe him on that one. Yeah, sweet, sweet. I, like, I want people that haven't, have never made top
0: eight. Like, can you get us, let us know, like, were you nervous throughout the final stretch? Like, any early stretch, like the day one, if you're doing well, it doesn't really matter. You're still really far away. But um, you know, for my first couple of pro tours, when I, GPs rather, when I made day two, uh, I would go X4, X4, or X5, not cash, until I finally consistently was able to cash. But it took me a while to get there, to get over the hump. Uh, was this your first deep day two
4: run, and then you just made it ninth right away? Um, so I, I think I've played six GPS total, um, and I've made day two twice before. Which I, again, I'm not trying to make it sound like an accomplishment, but like it's, I had at least a bit of experience doing it. Uh, I will say round 13 against uh, Edgar uh, is where the nerves kind of set in Um, because I've I've watched Edgar play. I think he's an amazing player. Um, I knew he was on a deck that was scary in his hands and uh, that's kind of where the nerves started to settle in a little bit. But uh, luckily for me and maybe a little bit unluckily for him, he's like a gentleman. So he kind of was like polite before the match and kind of like let me settle in. And then uh, I drew Blood Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Derek's laughing. So what, what about 14 and 50 when you're like really
0: getting close to that? Not only, not only a pro tour berth, but like potentially being in the top 8, right?
4: Yeah, so uh, my tiebreakers were really abysmal so I knew even if I won out I, I felt like there was a pretty good chance I was going to end up ninth, just the way the tournament was shaking out. Uh, but you have to play uh, round 14 was actually way scarier than round 15 because it's 14 I played black, red, hollow one. Um and I'm just terrified of that deck in general. Uh, I, I, on game one, I won a, a close one, like very, very close, where he kept six cards, no land, didn't hit a land drop for two turns, and I still almost lost because he able the resolve of burning inquiry and like dropped two solid ones on the board after that. So that was scary. But round fifteen, uh, my opponent was from Alberta, super nice guy. Uh, he was really nervous, which actually made me calm, and then. I don't know, like, you want it to be, like, this climactic moment where you, like, you battled through against the odds and you, you finally overcame it. Mm-hmm. But uh it, game, game one was super close. He was at 49 life at one point on humans um, because he played a one-of Oriok champion and drew it and had it on turn two against me. Um, I, I won that game really, really close. And then game two, he just mulliganed to five and I killed a Noble Hierarch and that was it. So, like, it was kind of anticlimactic. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the most important thing is just kind of like taking a deep breath and like looking around and just kind of seeing that everyone there is, if not as nervous, at least like kind of on edge and uh, just, you don't feel as out of place then. So.
0: I mean, it's always good to hear from someone who's, who's done it. especially Rob, who's gone all the way. Were you nervous two years ago, Rob? Uh, No, it's just kind of like you just get
2: in the zone and uh, you you just kind of lock it out. You just like, I'm, I'm playing good magic. I'm going to try and continue to do that. I just don't want to make any mistakes. Uh, that my focus was just on minimizing mistakes. That that's all. I, to be fair, like I didn't even realize that me and John were playing for five thousand dollars in the final round of the top eight. Like that that never crossed my mind <laughs> as I sat down and battled against them. In retrospect, probably uh, should have offered a split or something. It seems more reasonable than uh, just tossing five thousand dollars at each other for a game of magic. <laughs>
0: do Want to mention okay, uh, I forgot to plug just because of all the technical difficulties at the beginning of the show to mention that we are recording again tomorrow night, first time in a while. We've done quick episodes, but the first time ever, First Strike is doing two officially long, one hour plus episodes because we have guest John Stern who finished second again. Again, I want to emphasize again because two time GP champion, two time finalist, and both times, or maybe even more than that, but both times were at GP Toronto two years ago to Rob Lombardi, and then he finished second again uh, to Bogles, apparently not Boggles, as I've been taught uh, by a tweet from (laughs) Tularean Community College. But Derek, should I just say people just keep saying Boggles, though?
3: Just say it. Just say it. Who cares? Just say it. Like, (laughs) sorry, I can't hear you. There's Boggles in my ears. Like, say that. Boggles.
0: Very interesting. To see the evolution of Boggles since I left the deck a long time ago, seeing now that like Leyline is in the main deck, and uh, he was able to get. It was a really close match. Actually, it was like against John. Even though people might think Boggles is favored uh, due to Daybreak Cornet and stuff like that, John had some technology, and, and I do feel like sometimes, if as the Boggles player, when I didn't draw Daybreak. It was actually a tough race. I thought it was a lot more even. But Daybreak, of course, when you play it, it ends the game pretty fast against a lot of fair decks. I mean, to make it to the top eight, uh, Dan Ward actually top eight, uh, top decked a, um, a Daybreak Cornet when he was going to die to an alpha swing from his opponent. and He top decked last minute, play, uh, last turn that he could survive, played on his really big creature, and was able to steal the game against a, a human's deck. That was fair. Uh, but seeing John's technology with and staring bridge and even playing ley lines in the board curious want to ask him tomorrow about that but it was good to see him have like extra uh technology uh that that applied in a variety of matchup including uh against the grishel brand deck and then also against boggles in the finals uh we some people want to hear you rant about boggles winning the event uh why does it tick you off I don't think... I don't know why people expect me to just, like,
2: go on full tilt that Boggles took down a tournament. As someone reminded us earlier today in the chat, Scred has also won a GP before, which I (laughs) forgot about. (laughs) Maybe for the better. Um, I I think that, like, Boggles winning just kind of shows you what the format in Modern is like right now. It's kind of just... No one wants to interact with each other, and this is the deck that is... Maybe best at, at at not interacting with your opponent, and the fact that uh, Dan Ward put I think it was four ley lines in the main, right? He had he had the full play side,
0: I believe. Um, I'm gonna fact check that for you. Yeah, it means that just like right, I have I have it up. I, I can look at uh, let's see
2: here, three ley lines. Same today. Okay, so he had he had three. <laughs> the Maestro's copy is uh is le- left out there um out of the deck I guess. But like yeah, it just stops your opponent from interacting with your hand as well, which is one of the only places they can interact with when you're playing uh Bogle's uh apparently. (laughs) So I mean I I think it's a fine choice. I I really think that Sean I I would have expected John Stern to win that match, given like how the two deck lists look on paper. And especially like him kind of bringing that legacy and staring bridge tech into modern which I, I totally missed when I was thinking about what decks to play for uh, for the GP. I even built some, one of my close friends a Burn deck and was like, here, you should play this. I feel like it's really well positioned against what's going on. <laughs> uh, he didn't do so hot, but he also doesn't really play Magic anymore, so uh, it, it might have been that. But if I would have had the um, Ensnaring Bridge tech, that might have swayed my opinion on, on, uh, on playing Burn. I felt like Eidolon was good. And also, just like going to the dome a bunch was going to be good this weekend, uh, but I couldn't figure out how to beat like the hollow one, uh, the hollow one decks, and, and stupid decks like boggles. I just kept getting rolled online. But ridge seems tight. I mean, that seems like a a good way to uh, to go about just kind of like you know helping shore up that matchup and forces them to uh, to have to draw a seal or they're basically dead. I guess.
0: Yeah, I I like it. I really like it. Um, I've lost to that. Burning Bridges before with with Boggles just needing really needing to draw that seal.
2: Yeah, also, the fact that Burns playing Bridge also shows you how stupid Modern is right now. (laughs) Uh, And uh, before I saw the top eight, like, after I got completely rolled on day one, I was like, (laughs) how do I beat all these stupid aggro decks, but also, like, just kind of slow the game down to a point where I can take over? Because I feel like Supreme Verge is good, but it's just, like, not fast enough. I built a blue-white deck that's just like playing four main deck Ghostly Prison. Um, and I took it through a league. I went 3-2 and played against zero creature decks. I played against the Mirror twice, <laughs> and Blue-Red once, Scapeshift once, and Tron once. So I was like, yeah, this, this format sucks. I'm out.
0: <laughs> well, Co- Cody, you were shredding all the creature decks.
4: Yeah, yeah. If you want to be creature decks, I highly recommend uh, Mardu Pyromancer. I don't think I had any issues with creatures. Like I, I was really actively hoping for creatures every round. Yeah, Mar- Mardu's definitely a
2: good choice for that. Actually, I thought that a lot of people were going to think that, which is why I played blue red. <laughs> but uh, that—that's that, not how my event went. <laughs> uh,
0: the what, how scary was the Mardu? I mean, Mardu versus Hollow One matchup, uh, Cody. Like, was it? Did, did it go off? Did it really fizzle
4: a lot when, when you played it? Uh, so, game one, like I said, six cards, no land, almost one still. So, that, I mean, that already put the fear in me. Um, but I, I feel like Mardu is, if not a favorite, where at least even... Coligan's Command's very, very good against them. Um, just being able to shatter a hollowed one and take out uh, one of the, the one-mana guys that gain, uh, gain plus one, plus zero when they cycle or discard, uh, that's really big. Um, he brought in Leyline of the Void against me, which... He's like okay against Bedlam Reveler and Souls, but like I think actually lost him the game because it was essentially one card less for him to work with and discard into his graveyard, and that that kind of ended up coming back to bite him. So it it's as scary as I think that deck is to everybody. Like I, I feel like everybody should be scared of that deck just because like you can keep a perfectly reasonable hand, and if they're on the play in Burning Inquiry, you might not have a land drop anymore.
0: Uh, so it's good against last question on your Marty deck. So it's good against creature decks, but what do you think about like if you were to run this back, does it have the tools to, to fight against boggles? Because I see it plays one
4: <laughs> Liliana main, one Liliana in the side. Is that enough? My, my list absolutely has has no game against boggles. Um even the Liliana uh, I don't think is good enough because they can fetch Dryad Arbor. Like if they're they're smart about it, they're they're insured against the one of Liliana, and then I need to draw both of them in the post-sideboard game. Uh if I was if, I, if that was on my radar, which, I, I mean, it wasn't, obviously. Um, but if it, if it had been, I probably would have played one or two engineered explosives. I think it's the, maybe the best way I can fight that out of just Mardu Pyromancer. I'm not sure. I, I saw Dan at the tables every round, and every round I was crossing my fingers that I would not get paired up against him. <laughs> but that's well my best advice.
0: I'm not sure how much like him winning changes the the meta game. I don't think it it's going to encourage more boggles. Well, maybe slightly more. I'm not sure it's going to overrun the meta game. Uh, if you had to run this back, any small changes you would do to your seventy five?
4: Uh, I mean, modern is such a varied format. It's tough to be like I played fifteen rounds and I know what what I want to change exactly. But I mean, Blood Moon was just insane for me. Like I think I won almost every single one of my day two matches on the back of a Blood Moon at some point. Like. I'm, I'm trying to think here. Maybe only the humans deck at the last round. I, I didn't blood people. But uh, it, it single-handedly won me the game against Edgar. Um, it lost me a game <laughs> that I, I was going to win against Jeskai. But other than that, it was, it was really good. So I think I'd maybe even go up to one, like the third copy in the sideboard, at least. Um, it just felt like another really powerful thing to be doing alongside Bedlam Reveler, alongside all the other fair cards.
0: Okay, uh, because there's a the tournament oh, even though the format has changed, uh, and Cedric had tweeted at I think Aaron Forsyth even uh, today that even though you know the, the unbannings are announced, it doesn't take into effect until like next week. So like tournaments opens this weekend, there's the face to face SEG or face to face Montreal open happens this weekend where no Bloodbraid Elf, Jason Mind Sculptor still banned. So uh, the information coming out of this GP are still useful for people that are traveling to some of these tournaments uh, this upcoming weekend. So I just wanted to have your take on, on what you would change. So appreciate your your quick thoughts on uh, just adding a few blood moons. Uh, so, Cody, how are you going to prep for the PT? What do you think? What's going to happen?
4: Uh, I, this is all new to me, so I have no idea. I uh, I don't play a lot of standard, so my first step is just I'm picking up a standard deck this week, and I know there's going to be Dominaria out uh, before I, I go to the PT or whatever. But I just want to get used to the interactions, play as much standard as I can, um, find a, a draft group just to to fire off drafts with uh, in person, start playing way more drafts online, um, and again waiting till Dominaria for that. But just to try and get some reps in, just because again I I work like I, I'm going to be back in school, so like I do have limited time for how to prep. So I'm just going to try and make the best of it. Um, see if I can't piggyback off somebody with more experience. Maybe get them to be a coach or a life guide or I don't know what you call them. But I need help. So. I think Edgar,
0: Edgar watches this show on the regular and, and probably listens. If you're out there, you're a gentleman. Help this guy <laughs> I, I out.
4: Don't, I don't think he's going to want to help me. Um, uh, I, I don't think he was particularly pleased with the way our, our game went. Not, not like he was salty or anything, but right. um, Blood Moon's not a gentleman's card. Um, so I think it's kind of unfair. Like he was being a gracious opponent, and I was being a Blood Moon guy. So. <laughs> Man, they're loving these stories because he.
3: Fan <laughs> like um, eighth edition. Fan eighth edition. Fan right. eighth edition.
0: All right, uh, Cody. Where, where can people find you? I mean, I I just mentioned you as someone to cheer for, and I got. I got you fans. People were like, yeah, I heard KYT said to cheer for you, so I, I will. So where can people find you for Twitter and follow you once you start like updating um, your results at the PT?
4: Uh, I'm going to be on twitter.com slash cm underscore gg. Uh, I'm on there a lot. Part of my job is to be on Twitter. <laughs> so if you want your feed spammed with like bad MTG memes, my thoughts on things that are irrelevant and you know other things like that by all means join in and then on the pt you can figure out just how many losses i can pile up on day one before i go sightseeing in the wonderful city of richmond
0: are you still grinding them
4: rpgs oh yeah oh yeah i i I, uh i write rpg reviews for a website called playstation lifestyle just gonna do a shill for them real quick while i'm here What's what's the latest what's the latest great
0: thing that people should be playing uh
4: i just finished up I th- can I? I'm a couple hours away from being able to tell you what the next, the next game that I think you should play is. Um, embargo lifts a little bit from now, but there's a, there's a pretty decent one coming out. Um, if, and I'm just going to plug this every time when, when I talk to you and when I talk to anybody else. Play the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt if you have not done that. It's just, okay. it's just the best game I've ever played in my life. And I want to go revisit it again. I don't have 150 hours, but if, if you do, then go play it. Witcher 3 and
0: check out PlayStation lifestyle for your review in a few hours.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it might be the morning, but yeah, somewhere okay, well, around there.
0: We'll make sure to, to link your Twitter in the show notes. Uh, well, Kyle, we'll make sure. And then, uh, hopefully <laughs> you'll t- you'll tweet that out and, and we can check it out. What, what your new recommendation is. So, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Cody. Really, oh, cool Thank you that. so much for having me. Really appreciate the time. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon again. Take it easy guys. All right. That was Cody Gravel, Mardu player, finished ninth. Um, okay, for, for last question, as we wrap up this show, what would you guys play if you were heading to the face 2 Montreal Open? Let's start with you, Derek. Anything has changed? Um, you know, Can't be results-oriented, even though you didn't do well? Uh, I would probably
3: play uh, Traverse Shadow. Um, I was really happy with Grix's Death Shadow. Um, mm-hmm. a, the, one of the guys that stayed with us, uh, Marcel Zafra from out west, he went 8-0 with uh, 73 Of 75 that i was playing we had two different cards in the sideboard we had talked about the deck um coming up to the event and he said he was really happy with it day two um i think death shadow does what death shadow does it's sort of like if you don't draw death shadow you don't draw gurmag at the right time uh you just sort of lose um the thing about traverse shadow is it sort of fixes that it has goifs it has a couple grim flares it has lingering souls and other threats So I think that's where you want to be if you want to be in a Death Shadow deck. And if not that, I would probably play uh, Jeskai Midrange or like the one with Spell Quellers or just Jamtron. Just try to Tron people. And those are the three decks I would suggest.
0: Not Johnstern Burn?
3: No, I hate Burn. I hate uh, losing to things like Leyline or (laughs) Lightning Helix. Or timely reinforcements or Thrag tusk. Like I just can't do it. Like oh, you played one of those cards. Okay, I lose. I just,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I hate those games where you have to like draw revelry, right? Where your your yeah. your game depends on whether you draw revelry or not. Yeah, I just I can't build or play a deck
3: like that. Like I can't play affinity. Like I, I hate stony silence. I don't want to see a stony silence. I can't play uh, a dredge because my opponent has a Line, I lose. Like I just I can't bring myself to do that to myself. It's not. No, I'm not
0: doing it. None of that. All right, Rob, would you play Burning Bridges?
2: Yeah, I, Burning Bridges. Is that what they call the deck. <laughs> I like it. I would play Burning Bridges.
0: Seems good. <laughs> That's what you would play. No, I think I think I've seen that name. It's not something I've come up with. It's no, something that K- Kyt coined it right here. K-Y-T, you heard it here first. First strike podcast. It's Lightning like, Strike is basically <laughs> Cryptic Command. <laughs> yeah, or like the Blood Sun thing.
3: Like don't talk to me or my blood son ever again. You did that. That was you. You haven't seen that meme.
0: I don't. Um, mean, I, don't I don't know what you means guys are, are so old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lightning strike is ba- I like, I can visualize the t shirt people in chat are talking about. I can basically see the t shirt lightning strike is basically like cryptic command, basically in like bold font. I think that just kills me. But I don't know if we're just going to put like Shaheen Sarani, like dash Shaheen Sarani in the quote. I, don't, I think that would be too much. Uh, any, any other thing, Like, what did you learn from from your deck choice? Was it a poor deck choice uh, in retrospect, uh, Rob, for you? The one you played? Uh,
2: I mean, I don't think so. I just uh, I kind of threw away round three, and then I got into the loser's bracket, and things really fell off from there. I feel like if you look at the, the winning. Decks, I think blue red is like okay against most of the top eight. Not really worried about playing against uh, too many of them. Uh, Even boggles, like I was playing against it quite a bit online in testing, and I had like a ratchet bomb and an EE sleeved up and ready for them in my board. Um, But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I you know just got to play against against a bunch of hollow one, Eldrazi and taxes stuff like this. uh i I did get um my my green red hollow one opponent really did uh show me the power of good draws though in round four um he casts or had in play a hooting Mandrills, a vengevine and a hollow one on turn two both game one and game two so my turn he's just like uh land neonate or whatever i was like yeah cool uh Fetch, Shock. Uh, I thought he was on Dredge, right? Serum Visions. He's like, untap, put 12 power into play. I was like, yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> it's like, uh, this, this is not great. <laughs> and then I, I drew in round 5 with Tron, and I, I just had enough, so I scooped to him. I was like, whatever, you can have the win. I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go draft or something.
0: <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love you to put, get in some reps of Burn if you have the cards. I'd like to see what you think, actually.
2: Well, I have many reps with Burn. I just uh, thought Rob, that the blue red was better. An Rob lost the PTQ finals with Burn. <laughs> that, that's that's true. We talked about that last week. <laughs> yeah, go back to last episode.
0: <laughs> Would you recommend uh, Bloody Mess just to play? She ended up winning the uh, play. Play it forward. Play Oh uh, Yeah, play it forward. Yeah, I told her um, she was kind of like testing Infect
2: for a while. And uh, she had liked at the beginning, and then like as the pro tour happened, like those decks just kind of got worse because like Mardu Pyromancer got good, and then the other like aggressive linear strategies just um, like got more refined, and so they were better, and Infect became a bad choice. So she's like, "Yeah, my win percentage is like not; <laughs> it's not continuing to go up; it's going in the other direction." And I said, uh, "Oh, you should play uh, Humans probably then." Um, she's like, I don't have the cards. I was like, yeah, we can put together the the cards. I don't think that's a that's gonna be a problem. She's like, I don't have any experience. I was like, just build a stupid ticket mode and and play it. Like, you you can basically rent it for like 40 tickets or whatever, right? Like, uh, for as long as you want, just because, like, the, the margins on, on Magic Online cards are so low. So she started playing it, and she's like, oh, yeah, this deck's actually pretty lit. And I was like, yeah, I think it's good. So she played around with a couple lists, and I guess she settled on uh, Javier Dominguez's list from the PT, which seems like a reasonable choice, and she kind of, like, just tear through uh, day one. Uh, I think she finished 7-1, and she was in contention, like, all the way into, like, round 11 or 12.
0: So, yeah, she had a pretty good, uh, pretty good performance, no complaints. Play 4 is interesting. I've plugged that on either my Twitter or, or something before. It's just a uh, a group that has decided to highlight different uh, women players, and they usually give prizes. I think they've given some other stuff before, maybe like a coaching hour with a specific player, but they tend to give a play mat to the top-performing uh, gr- uh, girl player, and I uh, ended up being someone that we know, uh, know this time in Jessica. So... Shout out to her and shout out to player four. Just to, uh, I, I like that one. You highlight certain players that uh, people can relate with, and I think uh, we're doing that with the show also. Like bringing Cody on, just bringing more people and learning a bit more about them, so that you have a reason to cheer for them. So it's not a random someone that like plays a deck that you sort of like. Hey, if you like RPGs a lot, maybe check out Cody's Twitter, learn more about him, cheer for him at the PT. I think that, that's what it's all about. Sometimes it's. Uh, just like how I recommend making streams more interesting. It's about like building these characters so you actually care that they do well. And again, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about, Derek? Uh, I want to
3: say that um, something we missed today, uh, I don't know if you're going to talk about it tomorrow, but uh, Wizards also announced in their unbanning article today that they would be releasing more deck lists for uh, weekly standard and modern events. And I really want to point out that I think that's, that's a good move forward in uh in what we've been talking about for the past couple months on data collection and building decks and stuff um, just to touch on that I think that's a really good thing and yeah modern's awful now so that's
0: about all I have to say actually we can wrap with this topic uh, in their article they wrote to that end the new system we're implementing will show every five deck that's significantly different from any other they're trying to find that magical sweet spot and I guess Derek you think this is as close as they're probably gonna get from like not showing to like showing a bit to
3: I think I think they will never meet the same level that we want in data. Because you want it all wait, wait, I, wanted, I want I want everything. Okay, I want everything. I would like all five O's, I would like uh like maybe even hundred percent of four ones, right? Like they, they, part of the article, they, the reason they gave in the article is they wanted to highlight specific archetypes. And if you look through the, some of the decks that were posted today, I think it's like 60 or something, there's actually some really cool archetypes that are being built. Uh, we don't see the 4-1 decks. Sometimes you run bad and you like, somebody doesn't play this deck. Like, there's no Merfolk decks. There's like one Vampire deck. There's no like, weird pirate decks. So like, if they want to be highlighting different archetypes, they should just release all the information. And I think them just not doing that is just like sort of ridiculous, but they're working on it. Whatever, I guess I can't blame them too much. I still play the program, so whatever. Okay, so this is
0: basically the best they've gone so far without releasing the whole thing for you, Rob. Do you feel the same way? I, th- I think you feel the same way. about to guess, yeah, I-, I like this approach. It just kind of shows you like
2: all of the things that are able to do well um, without releasing like so much data that. The hive mind will just start gravitating in a certain direction so like just because they release 50 decklists, you don't really know if like one of those decklists showed up a 100 times or one of those decklists sh- showed up once um, which I mean, I mean you can kind of like take some guesses but I think that'll allow uh, more diversity to to occur I guess in the meta um, or at least the, um, the pressure for the meta game to like migrate in a certain direction will slow down, which I think is what they want.
0: Right, what the hell? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like that's that's a new meme, man. That's another meme. Uh, Rob, Rob doesn't Rob. Anything else that you want? Derek, you're good. Uh, I'm gonna play standard
2: again, so uh, watch out for that. I will be brewing and tuning. Right. More modern. We're done with modern for a little while,
0: <laughs> okay? And I will wrap up the show by making sure I plug, uh, which I don't think I I do often enough in, in the last set of episodes, but make sure to plug our uh, our patrons uh, and our... Man, I have it turned... I don't have it on again. I'm so bad at this.
1: <laughs> I
0: just, keep like, turning it off.
3: That, like 20 minutes ago, Rob said lit, and that was the <laughs> highlight of my night. <laughs>
0: All right. Appreciate you buying, buying me that time. Uh, shout-outs. I still don't know who my secret admirer is, uh, patron is, but shout-outs to all the producers. Jonathan Good, Kalsmerchik, J. Thomas Eaton, Sasha Papo, Derek Pite, who's uh, also a producer. Matthew Kelly, Adrian Merchants, everyone in the nation. Uh, shout-outs to them. Um, if you like the show, please subscribe. Please give it a like. Um, please consider, uh, if you've enjoyed any of our content uh, pledging at least a dollar by going to patreon patreon.com slash first strike all the information is there at the ten dollar level because i want to give people a lot more uh if they're willing to to be to be able to pledge 10 we do a lot more for them just because i just kind of feel bad uh taking pledges for nothing so what we do is uh these guys are part of it uh, we have a Facebook group that all the uh, castmates are a huge part of, including Rob, Brian Gottlieb, Derek Pite, where we actually share what we're going to play at an upcoming GP. And uh, if you got Brian 75 before the weekend, he went X3. He, had a really, he was close to a very strong run to a top eight. And I think the reason the group is so awesome is because it's Facebook. Everyone's on it. So Rob is really active. I feel like if we were on Discord and any, or a forum, that it wouldn't be as valuable but the fact that the presence of all these people that we have on our team are, are constantly on facebook commenting or replying is huge so i thank you guys a lot you guys are awesome um and of course we got our google drive with all the cyborg guides that we built up so shout out to anyone in the nation so far really helps us uh with with the show and helps us uh, we're in pre-production talks with i uh, announced in the nation for merch and t-shirts are coming hats are coming uh hoodies are coming so that's really sweet and uh of course a lot of these pledges help towards that um before i I mentioned this on the show before uh, when i used to create mana deprived hoodies or A-team tukes, it was a huge mistake of mine to just go all in and I wanted to take this opportunity to, I guess, warn fellow creators who are just starting a small cast to not go crazy like I did uh, because I have just a bunch of them that have no homes. Like, I've, <laughs> Derek's laughing at me. I have two boxes of, of Tooks. And uh, definitely, I'm going to be much more careful about that in the future. So I'm not going to go crazy with the first first straight merchant. That's why it's taken so long for it to come out. But with your support in the Patreon, it's, it's helped to be able to do this and not do this at a crazy amount. So I appreciate everyone. And if you guys have any t-shirt ideas that you want to see quotes from the show, leave it in the comments. And if you have a question for John Stern tomorrow, leave them in the comments and I'll, I'll make sure to ask some of them. So I appreciate all of you. And, uh, yeah that's that's it for me and much love to everyone (laughs) with that good night everyone and we'll instead of seeing you next week i see you right here tomorrow without these two guys though so ciao guys